This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. This morning, we are continuing uh, our message series, My Prayer, and talking about three prayers that I feel like God has directed me to for 2017 for us as a church. Uh, These come from Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20, which we often refer to as the Great Commission. These are Jesus' final instructions to his disciples, his final instructions to us before he ascends into heaven and leaves earth. And so basically what he's doing is he's gathered the disciples, they've witnessed his teaching, his miracles, they've witnessed his death and his resurrection, and now he's telling them, in light of all that you've experienced, of all the change that you've known personally, these are now the things you are to give your life to do. And so uh, about a year of studying through that great commission, that commandment from Jesus, of praying through it, these three ideas are what God kind of put in my heart to pray for us as a church, to pray for you individually, for myself, for my family. And it is uh, prayers for adventure, that as we give ourselves to the going uh, into all the world, that we will find our lives full of adventure uh, in the most mundane moments and in the most dramatic moments, that the most significant thing we can do in life is participate in God's mission for the world. Uh, It's also prayers for growth, that as we go into all the world and make disciples, we grow deeper in our faith with Jesus, and we go wider in sharing that with everyone everywhere. And then finally, this morning, it is prayers for health. My prayer is that we, as we surrender to the, the, the message of Christ, the command of Christ, that we will be healthy disciples, that we will be a healthy community, and we'll be part of bringing health into every sphere of our lives and every sphere of our culture. But let's start by reading from Matthew chapter 28 together, verses 18 through 20. If you have a Bible, if not, it's going to be here on the screens for you to follow along with me. In verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now this morning we're going to talk about how the Great Commission is a a command, an invitation for us to experience a healthy life, to be part of a healthy community, and be part of taking health into our world. But what many of us know is that um, health often begins with an acknowledgement that we're sick right? If you're going to get healthy, inherent in that is an acknowledgement that you are currently not healthy. Now, we probably all have this coworker or classmate, or maybe you are the coworker or classmate who uh, just refuses to acknowledge they're sick, right? They come into work, they're hacking all over the place, the snot's literally dripping off their face, they look so pale you're concerned they might actually die at their desk, and you say something to the effect of, you look a little sick, like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like you've, you've know, maybe some of you are that person. If you, you feel like, if I just don't admit it, then this 103-degree temperature doesn't actually exist. But you know it does, and, and you know they're sick, because then slowly over the next week or two, everyone in the office is then not sick, just like they were not sick, right? You've seen it. Maybe you've seen it more serious cases with friends or family members. I've had family members that um, just refuse to go to the doctor. 
you know, and so they just, they weren't going to go. They were fine. There was nothing he was going to do for them anyways. You know, it was all a big scam run by the government, all these sorts of, this tells you a little bit about my family. But um, so we, we, we would have these conversations and, and there were several times where they would wind up going and something that should have been small and insignificant and taken maybe a week's worth of treatment becomes this long drawn out thing because they refused to admit they were sick. In the worst circumstances, you have people who, I mean, they have all these symptoms and they should be going to get checked up and they refuse to do it. And by the time they go, the cancer is at a point that nothing can be done anymore. Uh, the, the, the injury is at the point where it can't be repaired anymore. You know, there's, there's all of these situations and not just physically, but we see it relationally where husbands and wives just kind of say, no, we're, we're good. We're good. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Until one day they realize, oh, we're better off apart than we were together. Right? You see it financially where somebody just goes through, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, until the point where they lose the house, they lose the job, everything's taken from them. If we're going to be healthy, we have to acknowledge that we're sick. And I think sometimes as disciples, we're hesitant to do that because we feel like if I acknowledge that I'm sick, that I'm weak, that I can't do it on my own, then somehow I'm a failure. But what I want to encourage you with today is that the fact that you're weak, that you're sick, doesn't disqualify you from receiving God's grace, but it's actually the very thing that qualifies you. Jesus made this very clear to us in Luke chapter 5. There's a, a story of Jesus, and he has an interaction with a tax collector who decides he wants to follow Jesus. And so because of that, he thinks one of the, the best things he can do is invite all of his friends to a party and invite Jesus there as well. And so in Luke 5, we find this story of Jesus going to this man's house. And of course, uh, all of his friends are also tax collectors. There are other people that the religious leaders of the day kind of look down on. And the, the religious leaders, they see Jesus, they see his disciples, and they see them in this house full of the, the undesirable elements of their community. And so they begin to say to Jesus and the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answers them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus makes it so clear to us in, in this instance and in many others in the scriptures that he comes for hurting people. Right? He knows we're not healthy and he moves towards us in our distress, in our lack of health to bring life to us. But we continue to insist no, I don't need that. I'm okay, right? And, and in our insistence, we're not moving closer to health, but we're moving farther away. As you see this in, in so many areas. You see uh, the statistics, statistics vary anywhere from 50 to 60% of men and 25 to 35% of women in the church struggle with pornography, with the shame, with the guilt, with the, the soul-sucking pollution that comes from that. And yet, we continue to insist, we're good. We got this. We're fine. We're healthy. You see it in marriages. You see it in relationships. You see it in our emotional health and our mental well-being. We are, we're sick. We're hurting. We're alone. We're isolated. And we continue to say, no, I'm fine. See, the, the first step to becoming a healthy disciple of Christ is acknowledging, I need help. Right? And, and so sometimes you can come to church on a Sunday morning and you, you look around and you feel like, I'm the only screw up here. Right? Everybody looks like they've got it together. You see a husband and a wife and they're holding hands. He's got his arm around her in the service. You see kids that sit nicely by their parents and you just think those are the most perfect families in the world. 
Right? I, I've been here for, for 12 years now, and I can tell you, they're not. Right? We're not. Christian chapel is a collection of frauds, hypocrites, and sinners. And we, exactly, right? We, I mean, if, if you don't think that's you, you just prove my point. You're part of that, right? We're, we're, that's it. Nobody's perfect. And so we don't come together on a Sunday morning to say, I am so glad that everyone is here to witness my awesomeness. Like, they, this church is so lucky. God is so lucky that I am on his team. He is so fortunate. I am the one single hand. No, no, no. We come together every single Sunday to be reminded I am weak, I am sinful, I am powerless, I am helpless and hopeless, but God has extended his grace to me. And so sickness and weakness are not things to run away from. They're not things to pretend they don't exist, but it's an opportunity for us to acknowledge not only do I need God's grace, but even more so, he has provided it to me. So if you feel isolated, if you feel less than, if you feel not good enough, my message to you this morning would be welcome to the club. No matter what it looks like on the outside, everybody has those struggles on the inside, but we don't have to stay there. You see, the good news of the gospel, first, it's bad news. It's this is who you really are. You're an enemy of God. You are separated from him in your heart and in your mind and in your relationships. But then it's good news because it says, and God sees it, and Jesus moves towards you. He comes to call sinners to repentance. He comes to bring health to the sick. This is who he is. This is what he does. And so when we begin to understand that and when we begin to embrace that, when we begin with those first steps of surrender of saying, God, I acknowledge my need for you, then we can begin to move forward into the healthy life of a follower of Christ. This is where I think that the Great Commission helps us quite a bit. It teaches us several things about health. The first thing it teaches us is that healthy disciples get going. Right? The, the first command in the Great Commission is, therefore, go. Go. Get moving. Get going. You understand this. If you've ever made a New Year's resolution to improve your physical health, right? it is almost always involves some form of movement, Right? I mean, we can all acknowledge that going home, sitting on the couch, watching football, and eating dill pickle chips is not the way to achieve the physical um, improvements that you're desiring. I mean, if it was, I would be Mr. Universe, right? Because I can pound that whole bag in about 10 minutes, and I don't even know what happened. It's just like, it's just gone, and then Angie's complaining that she has to buy like five bags a week, and I don't, you know, it's just, it's, it's pray for me. I'm not healthy in that way. But if that was the way it worked, we'd all, we'd be fine, but it's not. When you want to be healthy, you make a decision. I'm going to move. I'm going to eat different. I'm going to be around different people. I'm going to do different things. I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to go. I'm going to get started. And it's the same when we follow Christ. He doesn't save us and say, okay, now relax. He saves us, redeems us, and says, now get going. Get moving. Get after this new life that I'm calling you into. The disciples' health was rooted in their obedience to Jesus. As they obeyed, they experienced his power, his presence, and his grace. And their faith grew as they went. And so for a healthy disciple, and again, I think this is where we, we get hung up because we think, well, I've done a lot of bad things. I've got a lot of junk in my life, and I know God has forgiven me, but that's all he really can do. We think his love is so small that he has exhausted it in his forgiveness of us. But it's not because not only does he forgives us, forgive us, but he redeems us. He restores us. 
He renews us. He gives us new purpose and meaning. He says, you're forgiven. Now get going. Now get going. So healthy disciples always get going. The second thing we see from the Great Commission is that healthy disciples live on mission. Right? Jesus says uh, that we are to go and make disciples of every nation. Right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living creature is what it says in an, another account of the Great Commission. It's this idea of when you become a follower of Christ, you begin to live with a different purpose. Now, again, I keep going back to this idea of a, a New Year's resolution because I think we all understand it. And for the most part, we're all bad at it. Right? But when you make a New Year's resolution of I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, typically there's a plan of action that goes with it, Right? Unless you're like me and you make a few New Year's resolutions that are just easy to check because it makes you feel good to check the box. Like, I'm going to wake up every day. You know? There's, there's some easy ones there. Like, I'm going to, yeah, whatever. But uh, for the most part, if you make a significant goal, you then have to change your life to live that way. Right? You change the way you eat. You change the way you're spending your time. You change your schedule. Sometimes you're changing who you hang out with. You're, you have a new mission in life, and it begins to filter into every area. And as followers of Christ, becoming healthy followers of Christ is the same way. We have to give our lives to his mission. And his mission is so clear. Go and make disciples. Go and share the gospel. And, and here's the thing. As we do this, initially, the mission of God will be something that we do, right? We are going and doing. We are making a, a willful choice every morning. I'm going to participate in this. But here's the thing. The longer you do it, the less it becomes something you do and the more it becomes who you are. Right? Last week, uh, one of our, our workers from India that we support, she was here, and, and Beth uh, made this statement that is just, has really stuck with me. And she said, the more, every time we say yes to Jesus... It lays the foundation for our next yes. And eventually we reach the point where we've said yes so many times that saying no is impossible. And, and, and there was something in just the way she said it and the, the life she's lived that models that truth that for me drove home this point that one of, the, one of the best things I can do to be a healthy disciple of Jesus is live on mission with him every single day. And as I do that over and over and over and over again, it becomes part of who I am. It's no longer an add-on to my life, but it has made its way into the foundation of my life, and it filters through every other relationship and every other responsibility. I mean, we, we see this played out with Royal Family Kids Camp. Like uh, Eddie and Don said, we are going into our 19th summer camp this summer. And we have people who have served at every single camp for 19 years, many others who've only missed one or two. And, and I think if you were to ask each one of them, they would tell you, when I started doing this, it was something I did. Now it's part of who I am. Right? And, and so this one week of service is an act of obedience. It's saying, Lord, I will go and I will live on your mission with these kids. But as you do that over and over and over again, as you say yes again and again and again, eventually it, it creeps into your DNA to where it flows out and foster care is no longer something that you advocate for or think fondly of, but it's something you become a part of. And we've seen this again and again where royal family becomes the, the gateway to foster care, to adoption to lives devoted to uh, teenagers changing their majors and giving their lives to serve and to work with the least of these in our community. 
See, if we want to be healthy, we have to live on God's mission because here's, here's the deal. All of our sickness is the result of us living on our mission. Right? And, and if I'm the problem, if I'm the one who keeps getting myself in this situation, then I can't be the solution. I'm the one who screws it up. It's my weakness that pulls me back. And so I can't be the one that's suddenly gonna like, have this epiphany of I finally know everything I should do and how I should do it. At some point, I have to surrender, I have to let go, and I have to find something greater than myself because my way isn't working. My way leads to different levels of brokenness, and I might work hard and do good for a season, but eventually I'm always going to fall back into to unhealthy patterns and an unhealthy lifestyle because I cannot save myself. And it's the same for us. If we want to be healthy disciples, we have to live on mission. The last thing I think we see from the, the Great Commission is this idea that if we want to be healthy disciples, we keep growing, we keep gro- uh, pursuing growth. Right? Jesus tells us that uh, when we go into the, all the world, we are to teach them everything that I have commanded you. Right? Now, that's a big charge to the disciples that day. They have walked with Jesus for three years, and when we read the disciples, what we, or when we read the Gospels, what we learn about the disciples is, like you and I, they were not the fastest learners. Jesus was constantly telling them something, they were misunderstanding it, and he was having to reiterate to them, no, it doesn't mean that, it means this. And now they're standing there on that day, and he's saying, go into all the world and teach everyone everything that I've commanded you, and you have to think they felt slightly inadequate of like, Jesus, we still don't get it. Like, we mess things up. You really, this, this is your grand plan? How many, you, like Peter, he's standing there that day, and he's like, Jesus, you called me Satan. And I'm your, you said, get behind me, Satan. And I thought you just mixed up your words, but you didn't. I'm your grand plan to save the world. And Jesus says, go and teach them all that I've commanded you. And inherent in that command is this idea of, we've never fully arrived as healthy disciples of Christ. Right? It's not like you, you grow and grow and grow and you reach the point of, okay, now. Now I can finally obey the Great Commission. But it's this idea of as you go, as you give yourself to God's mission, you will continue to grow and you'll continue to pursue health. That as we are called to teach everyone all that Jesus has commanded, as we go wide in that command, it's going to constantly cause us to grow deep in his word and our understanding of his presence, our experience of him, and sharing that with others. And so we keep pursuing it. We keep going after it. The, the last thing I think we see from the Great Commission, it's not necessarily uh, explicitly stated in the command, but I think when we understand the way Jesus operated and the way the disciples obey this, we see it is that to be a healthy disciple always means that we're part of a healthy community. You know, Jesus, his invitation to the disciples was to come join this, this band of brothers to leave behind mothers and fathers, to find their way into a new family. And as the disciples go out and they share this good news with everyone everywhere, it's a message of individual salvation, but, but connected, I mean, in an undeniable way, connected to the message of in, individual salvation is an invitation into community. Say, so let's belong together. Let's serve together. And so for you and I, my prayer for us as individuals to be healthy disciples also includes a prayer for us together to be a healthy community. That we will move past knowing faces and first names and move into deep and authentic relationships with each other. 
that you will have friends who will challenge you, hey, you need to get going. Hey, you need to live on mission. Hey, come with me and let's pursue health together. When we have those, life is richer, life is deeper. We no longer suffer in isolation. We no longer struggle with our sin on our own, but we're able to share with others, be encouraged by them, be pushed forward together. The invitation of Jesus to individual health is always an invitation into a healthy community. Now, a healthy community is not a perfect community. There's no such thing. There's no church in the world that has all their issues sorted out. There's no place in the world where there's never any strife or disagreement or misunderstandings. That happens everywhere. But even as we surrender to Christ, those moments of angst become opportunities to experience God's grace together, to extend and receive forgiveness, to show grace and patience and kindness to one another. And often what you'll find is that one of, the, one of the most important aspects of your individual health will be your relationship with others in a healthy community. So it was driven home for me uh, personally just a couple weeks ago. I was reflecting on 2016 and, and um, you know, kind of hit the end of the year and that's normally a, a, a celebration time for me of looking back and, and I'm a, a task-oriented person so I love to look back and see, look at all these boxes I checked over the past year. And I looked back at 2016, and honestly, it was a little depressing. It was like it didn't, I had a lot of boxes at the beginning of the year, and I, I didn't get to check many of them. You know, I, uh, and some of that was for good reasons, some of it was for bad reasons. Like I, I, I blew out my knee last March and wound up having surgery in November, and so I had this whole part of my life that, that I was really excited about and looking forward to that was taken away. And so there was, there, was, there was that that was gone. And then we, we hired some new staff at church, and that was wonderful. And I was so excited when we hired them because I thought, I can give them some of my boxes. Like, there, there were things I was doing that were keeping me from doing the more important things. And so they came, and I shared those with them. And it, was, it should have been wonderful and life-giving. And at the end of the year, what I realized was, I really miss checking those boxes. Like, I, I mean, I, in, the, in the, the day-to-day experience, I didn't miss it. But in the satisfaction of the end of the week or the end of the year, being able to say, look at what I did. And as I, I talked with a buddy about this, we were sitting at, at Einstein Bagel and having coffee and just, he was asking me about the year. And as, as I began to verbalize these things, I started to realize, and I had a conversation with my wife a few days later and, and again was helping me realize, like, I was finding my health in my own ability. Like it was, my health was residing in what my knees could do, in what my mind could accomplish, in what my hands could perform. And as that was taken away, what I was realizing was I, I'm still an unhealthy person. And I think many of us, if, if we're honest and we have those conversations with those we love, we find the same thing. That often our experience of health rests in our own ability to control our life, to win the approval of others, to feel like we're significant. But what Jesus is calling us into is a life on mission, a life where we have completely surrendered to him, where we are able to say with the apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ, that my health is not found in what I can do or what I can say, but in what Christ has done. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to lay down your striving, to lay down your struggles, to lay down your sin and to receive the new life that Jesus offers to us.
you'll stand with me. I want to pray for you. And then the band's going to come and lead us in a few songs this morning. We've done this a, a few times a year, but there's an old uh, Quaker prayer practice where they would join together as a church and, and they would stand for prayers we were doing now and they would take their hands and they would place them out, palms down on the floor or facing the floor. And so if you'll do that with me, if you'll just right there, take your hands. If it's uncomfortable, I'm sorry, it won't kill you though. But they would do this as a, a, a symbolic action of their surrender to God. And so this morning, as we pray for experiences of health together and individually, we're gonna pray that we will release everything that robs us of health, everything that keeps us from depending on Christ, everything that we think disqualifies us. So God, we come to you this morning and we just make this physical action to remind ourselves of our complete surrender to you. We come to you with nothing to offer, but with everything to gain. So Lord, this morning we lay down our self-righteousness. We lay down all the reasons we think you should approve of us. We lay down our sin and our guilt. We lay down our bondage and our shame. And we just ask, Lord, that you would take all of that away from us today. That our health would be found completely and totally we take your hands and, and turn your palms towards the sky. And Lord, we come in this posture to receive your new life and to receive your health. Lord, I pray for those who are sick that they would receive your healing this morning. Pray for those who are depressed that they would receive your joy today. Pray for those marriages that are on the verge of collapse, that they would receive your breath of life and hope today. Pray for hearts that are certain you could not love them because of what they would have done. May they receive your complete and total forgiveness this morning. God, we want to receive all that you have for us. So send your spirit to us. Send your grace, send your truth. Send your transformation and salvation. We receive it as individuals. We receive it together this morning. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.